thank you so much for tuning in to today's Remit Radio. I'm excited. We have an amazing guest, as we do every day. But actually, this this particular guest is a friend of mine. And I just want to say, I've gotten to know him a little bit over the last couple of years. Quality human being who has amazing ideas, talents, and gifts. And uh, you're going to see that in just a minute. I'm going to play a quick clip, and then we're going to have Mark Reed on the show. But let me pray, play this clip, and then we'll introduce Mark. Okay, here we go. Our proposal is pro-American, pro-immigrant, and pro-worker. It's just common sense. Our plan includes a sweeping modernization of our dysfunctional legal immigration process. It is totally dysfunctional. The system will finally be fair, transparent, and promote equality and opportunity for all. Every year, we admit 1.1 million immigrants as permanent legal residents. These green card holders get lifetime authorization to live and work here and a five-year path to American citizenship. This is the most prized citizenship anywhere in the world by far. All right, that was a clip from President Trump, and he has just introduced a new immigration plan, which he is saying is pro-American and pro-immigrant. So I wanted to bring on a friend, and we're going to talk about a couple of different issues, but uh, he is the former uh, congressional candidate for California District 30, and that's the seat that's currently held by Brad Sherman. And I believe, we're going to ask him, but I have a feeling he's heavily leaning towards another run as we come up into 2020. I'm very proud and honored to have Mark Reed on the show. Mark, welcome back, sir. Thank you, Todd. And I'm also very proud to know you and your family. I think you have an amazing family and a beautiful new daughter. Oh. And, uh, and, I, and I chuckle when, when all of the predictions of the complete no sleep and derangement <laughs> is bestowed on your life now. <laughs> well, and I will just say, Mark was one of the few that told me the truth uh, about what, what, you know, and, and he also told me all the amazing things about having a, a daughter. And he's got, what, 10 grandchildren, Mark, you got? I have 10 grandchildren, which nine of them are granddaughters. One's a grandson. Oh, I didn't know my, that. Wow. Of my three adult children. Uh, two of them are daughters, and one is my son. And you will find out as your daughter grows that those eyes that she will give you and say, "Papa, I love you," you are, you—that's the kryptonite <laughs> of all, all fathers. You're, you're stuck. Oh, and then man. when she hits 17, 18 years old, and she says, "Papa, I want you to meet John," <laughs> you're gonna, you're gonna shiver in your boots at that moment because, oh, oh my gosh, she grew up. Well, I'll tell you a quick story, man. So we, we took her to church for the first time today or the other day, and we dedicated her. And we were walking out, and one of the little young kids that goes there, he's probably about four or five, he says, can I kiss her? And I said, oh, my gosh, so it begins already. So uh, <laughs> and that was so that was the first experience I had bringing her out. I said, man, this is going to be tough. Uh, but, yes, I agree. And, wow, I didn't know you had nine grand, uh, granddaughters. That's amazing, man. So yes. so the one uh, grand uh, – grandson's got his hands full huh oh yeah I, well he gets brutalized constantly that's <laughs> you know, right he's going to grow up to be tough but he's going to he's going to need that to protect all of his his cousins there there you go so, yeah. you know but you know having children todd and you as, as i discussed with so many of my friends that embark on the journey of being a parent you will mm -hmm. find that everything else that you do in life is nothing in comparison to your wife and your children. Yes, yes.
And and that's a great segue, man. So you know you did run uh, for the, the in the in the last uh, congressional uh, election, and uh, that was the midterms that just passed. And uh, Brad Sherman is still occupying the seat uh, here in the valley. You know my take on that. I think there might have been uh, some foul, you know, some interesting weird things that everything always is the same number. And I don't know. We need we don't need to get into that today unless you want to. Uh, but but you have a lot of uh, momentum and it continues to gain. And there's a possibility you may run again. You want to just talk briefly about your last congressional run out here in District 30? Well, as you've stated, you know, 92% of the time the incumbent wins. So I've run four times because I have a strong belief that we need a revival right here in the Valley. Yes. And, you know, I'm a strong Christian. I was raised Catholic. And I have strong faith in, in what needs to be done. So right. I know the battle, you know, that David engaged with, with Goliath. Yeah. You know, Goliath hasn't won yet right. the war. So that's why I continue to go back in battle. Yes. The district is a heavy left-leaning district. But as I have grown in running in the last elections, I begin to realize that even the people on the left, when they're talked to in a, in a manner that is offering equitable solutions to the problems that we're facing, they start realizing, wow, you're not all that bad. Right. You know, you're, you're a good person. You have good ideas. You're a good family man. You know, I may not agree with you 100%. I agree with you at least 60, 70%, but that doesn't make us enemies. That makes us actually working, you know, uh, individuals to better the community. Right. And this is what's happening, as you know, living in the community. Yeah. You know, our, our community is falling apart. Oh, my I mean, the, the state, the, the, the city of Los Angeles and the county of Los Angeles is not addressing our homeless problem, which yeah. is really a disservice by calling it homelessness. We have a serious mental health care, yes. drug addiction, yes. and homeless problem. But until we address the root causes, this problem is going to continue to grow. What, so how do we address the root causes, Mark? You're on a really good subject there. On the last few nights, I don't know if you saw, but Tucker Carlson on Fox, he's been kind of going into uh, the crisis of homelessness here in our nation. He's going by city by city. It's a really good uh, you know, a little episode that he's doing on this every night. Um, and you know, it's actually opened my eyes. It's been something I've been aware of for a long time, but just to see the escalation, and a lot of it's happening in sanctuary cities, uh, you know, what what, what is attributing to this, and how can we, you know, fight this? Well, our elected officials will continue to say that it's affordable housing. And as you saw on Tucker's uh, uh, piece, his, yeah. his three-segment three piece, he, he, inter he went to Stockton, California, and then a yeah. little further up north yeah. from Stockton and found that the rentals have dropped all the way down to $600 a month. Wow. And it's like, come on, you know, at a, a minimum wage job, you're making 32000 a year, and right. pretty much you're bringing all of that home because you're, you're not paying any taxes on it because you're considered in the poor. Right. And, and if, if they can't afford a $600 house, there's something else going on. And this is where it gets into the mental health care. Now, mental health care and drug addiction go hand in hand, you know, because yeah. the, you have a, a basic psychotic issue that's going on within the individual, and they may turn to drugs to feel normal, right. which only amplifies it. Mm. And when I talk about drug addiction, I'm not just talking about you know street drugs. I'm talking about prescription drugs. Yeah, that's and a good was, point. There was recently an article in the New Yorker about a young lady who was uh, having a difficult time in life, probably around 12 years old. 
Okay. And she was brought in to a therapist, and they diagnosed her as being bipolar. Hmm. So they gave her, you know, the drugs. They gave her uh, a Prozac and a couple other drugs. Right. And those drugs created other symptoms. They gave her some more drugs. By the time she had 16, 17 years old, she was on nine different psychotropic drugs. This happens so created, often, Mark. I'll yeah, tell you. It, it's just yeah. unbelievable, right? And, yeah. then, and then by the time she hit 21, she's going through college. They were giving her the, the strongest doses of these drugs. And as her recount of her issues going through this, you know, every yeah. doctor had a different diagnosis because the drugs were creating different symptoms. Right. But one doctor finally essentially said, and, I, and I'll forward you the article. It's a great okay. article. Okay. Um, a lot of information. in it. But finally, one doctor said, you know, I don't know your baseline. I don't know what your problem is. Mm. You're, you're on all these drugs, and they all create all these different Yeah, that's symptoms. the problem. Yeah. Yeah, and he said, we've got to take you off of all these drugs so I can find your emotional baseline. <sighs> so they started weaning her off of all of these drugs. Yeah. She was she went through hell. I mean, her, her story is unbelievable. She went through hell. One of the things that she pointed out in this and most people don't know, the clinical trials on most psychotic drugs right. is only 12 weeks. Oh, wow. wow. These doctors have no clue what's going on. Now, is it true that big pharmacy and, you know, big pharma and and you know the the drug industry, you know, they give kickbacks. There's a lot of pushing on the doctors even well, from that's, early that's a rhetorical question everybody <laughs> knows that. so so it starts i mean you know what a lot of people don't understand and you know nothing against i mean i know a lot of these doctors are doing a good job and trying their best to really heal these symptoms and whatnot but a lot of it goes back to medical school right mark where they're they're basically uh you know it's like a dating relationship from the early days of med school uh with the pharmaceutical companies and so instead of addressing like you said the baseline issue what they're doing is they're they're just keeping you know i've, I've met as a pastor people that are on five, six, 10 different kinds of drugs. And I just think, are you kidding me? You know, and I have to be careful because I can't give any type of medical advice, you know, but at the same yeah. time, um, you know, it, I know that that's actually, you know, a major problem for the person because they can't even, you know, uh, hold a thought. I mean, it's like, it's, it's literally like being on, on drugs. I mean, it's, you know, they can't think well, right. They, they are. This is what they found out with this young gal is that by the time they got her off of all the drugs and she went through hell getting off of the drugs, that when they finally started discovering her baseline, they found out she was a normal teenager. Yes. Just going through a difficult time who needed really a therapist, somebody to talk to. Right. Because she didn't have a good connection with her parents. She didn't have a good connection with any brothers or sisters or mm. family. She didn't have anybody to talk to. Wow. So when they found out that problem, and then they started baselining the rest of the problems that were going on with her. They essentially found out that the normal emotional transitions that she was supposed to be making as a young teenager to a young adult to an adult, which means the, the physical biological changes, right? Yeah. And, this, and the sexual awakenings, the normal sexual awakenings, not the stuff that's going on in our school systems right now, but the normal yeah. sexual awakenings of a normal person. She was denied all of those. Wow. So what ended up happening because of that, these drugs create a complete disconnect yeah. from the emotional, spiritual self to the physical self. Mm. 
So every relationship she got into, she was physically disconnected. So she thought there was something really wrong with her that she could not connect mm. on a spiritual or emotional level with her partner. Ugh. And so th that created even more psychological trauma to her. Wow. I, I just I just texted you that, Todd. So okay. on your, your, I, yeah. I know you multitask like I do. <laughs> we'll put it up. You know, Absolutely. You can, you can probably look at that article. It's an unbelievable article, and it's, and it's recent. It's a very recent one. Yeah. And she has started out the whole organization now that gets kids and young adults off of these psychotropic drugs mm. and gets them to counselors who believe in that the drugs, the psychotropic drug is the last resort. Wow. Yeah. You know, the first resort is really getting them to understand the normal uh, human behavior and the normal emotional growth. And we're doing this to children now all the way down to 10 years old. Right. No, I you know. know. People, people used to, Todd, you remember when, when uh, Tom Cruise came out, you know, about the Church of Scientology, yeah. talking about the pharmaceutical industries, you know, yeah. destroying our children with psychotropic drugs. Oh, yeah. And yeah. they were warning everybody. Well, it was true. Yeah. Yeah, it was no, absolutely I mean, true. It, it's it, I think the the average person is so overwhelmed, Mark. I mean, they're just trying to pay their bills. They're trying to get their kids through school. They're trying to do their nine to five, whatnot, you know. And so, you know, everybody knows, like you said, most people at least have some understanding that there's an issue with big pharma. They have some understanding, you know, when I talk to people, because we have a food bank at our church and, uh, you know, uh, we, we, we deal with some people that are, you know, struggling with homelessness and things like that. I found there's three different categories. There's, there's there's those people that really, truly are just down on their luck. I mean, there's just people yeah. that, you know, have lost a job and just, you know, things kind of spiraled out of control. Then there's yeah. actually a group of people that choose it as a lifestyle, um, which I never knew about before, but I found out later that people actually want to be on the street. It's it's a lifestyle choice. And then the third one is the mental illness. So, um, you know, all equal, you know, uh, uh, an issue and, and concern. Uh, of course, you know, we're able to help um, the people that are just down and out the most, you know, at least quickly uh, because we can, you know, maybe get them plugged in somewhere, get them some housing and hopefully get them re rehabilitated with a job. It's the mental illness and the lifestyle choice people that are the, the harder people to deal with. Um, you know, what, what are the solutions in those aspects? How can we, you know, in the community do something? Well, the, under, the underlying aspect of a person who chooses it a lifestyle choice is because they haven't been adequately trained in vocational mm -hmm. training, you know, job preparedness, right. uh, financial training. There is an underlying psychological issue going on with them that they're now becoming uh, antisocial. They're rebelling against society. Yeah. The nor the normal, you know, the normal attribute of, of individuals is, you know, growing up in your own parents' house, you right. know, you wanted to work, you wanted to get out on your own two feet, sure. you wanted your independence but you acquired the training to do these things. Now, right. our school systems don't teach any economics to the kids. They don't teach any real life stuff. What they've done is they've passed this whole new sexual training yeah. in schools. Crazy. What happens to the electives? We used to have metal class and electives and, and you know. Yeah, like exactly. They, they had the introduction to electronics, woodworking, auto mechanics, yeah. you know, everything. Now they have, now it's more of a, and, and exposure to sexual promiscuity mm. and complete immorality, which, you know, to me is, is horrific. It's horrifying Horrible. to think that the school systems are taking the place of the parents in the home on a very broad scale. Because if you have, you have a religious right, mm. 
right. to teach your children modesty. But if you come from a complete liberal home that you want your child to be a liberal, you have that right to teach <laughs> them to be a liberal. Right. But where is it in the state constitution that gives our state the right to teach children about homosexuality, about lesbianism, about you know massive promiscuity and trying on things, how to put condoms on? Look, my grandparents never had those kind of classes, and they figured it out, and I'm yeah. here. Well, and as a parent, you want to be the one that has that talk. You know, when the time comes at the right time, you know, you have the birds and the bees talk, right? But, I mean, you don't want the school having that talk at second grade, third grade, and to your point, saying things that, that don't line up with your religious beliefs, your faith. Uh, that's just ludicrous. And I don't know how we even got to this place, but I know a lot of people are furious about it. We talked about it the other day, and one of the things that I said is, is I even know people, Mark, that are in the gay and lesbian community that are uncomfortable about the teaching, which is, you know, most yeah. people don't ever talk about that. But they say, hey, we don't need to be talking about that to kids. You know what I'm saying? So even they're against, I don't get it. How do we get to this place? We got to this place because people talk about intolerance, right? Yeah. You know, they don't know how to tolerate the homosexual community. They don't know how to tolerate the transgender. We need to teach tolerance. Well, I think that they've missed the mark on what they should be teaching tolerance about. Right. When you pop out of your mom's stomach and you're born, you are genetically a boy or a girl. That's what God did. You are a boy or a girl. Now, the tolerance levels that society needs to understand, and this goes back when I was a kid, they were saying, you know, we have this Ken and Barbie syndrome going yeah. on. <laughs> tolerance comes from understanding the fact that you may have a very frail, soft-spoken, small-boned male. But he's still a male and should be treated as such as a boy. Right. 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 And then on the other end of that spectrum of the softer boy, you have, you know, uh, The Rock, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, or, or, or Shaq O'Neal, you know, yeah. a big six foot six dude, yeah. you know, 400 pounds of solid muscle <laughs> that you wouldn't want to hit with your car because your car might lose. Yeah, I met Shaq. He's a big guy, let me tell you. <laughs> yeah, so have I. He's a big dude. So we have to have that tolerance and acceptance acceptance for that broad scale now it goes the same way with females yeah we have some very beautiful dainty females that everybody is attracted to and then you have the one that looks like you know an amazonian gal that i wouldn't want to get into a fight with either <laughs> but they're all women they're all girls right where is society's tolerance for that spectrum of both the male and the female hmm. instead we have practiced extreme intolerance to the point now we are giving drugs and surgeries to both boys and girls to change them into the opposite sex. Yeah, yeah. It's okay? And it comes from society's complete intolerance for what they were born as. Yeah. No, it's crazy. Okay. And even science uh, admits, scientists admit there's two genders, you know? I mean, I don't know where they're even getting this 56 genders. Where does it come from? I don't get it. Well, God made, you know, men and women and Democrats made everything else. <laughs> Just like everything else they seem to be doing. Hey, we only got a couple more minutes here because time goes by super quick. So I wanted to just talk about sanctuary cities, immigration, kind of tie that into some of the things you've been talking about, Mark. What is your stance on, you know, California is one of the most lenient states when it comes to sanctuary city policies. Um, our, our governor, Gavin Newsom, has actually pushed back against the president with National Guard and building the wall. Um, you know, where do you stand on that and what can we do? 
sanctuary cities and sanctuary states I'm completely against. I think they should be the governors and the mayors of the different cities should be tried for treason wow. against the Constitution of the United States. And I think that's up to Congress's oversight yeah. and real oversight of the different executives that are elected into position to implement and protect and support the Constitution of the United States. So when you have subversion like that, they need to be brought into a congressional inquiry with a referral to the Justice Department for a treasonous act on, on the population. I also believe that a class action suit should be brought against the governors and the mayors yeah. for spending taxpayers' money on non-citizens because that is the pilfering of the of the, of the coffers of the taxpayers coffers now you know president trump brought this out the money that's being spent on our border on immigration illegal immigration on schools on medical should be, be being spent on our homelessness problems on our mental health care problems on citizens of the united states they're giving them superior education right. giving them the things that we pay as a taxpayer to, to supply and so, and then the immigration, I've been talking the same things that they have brought about today in President Trump's proposal, Lindsey Graham's proposal, and so forth, that, you know, we need to completely revamp the asylum process. You know, we need to get rid of the uh, uh, chain migration and limit it to just immediate family. Yeah. We need to have a merit-based uh, uh, foundation of immigration for legal immigration. You know, it hasn't been touched in 54 years. It's a long overdue. I also believe once we do this complete revamping of our legal immigration policies, it should be revisited every 10 years. Yes. Every 10 years it needs to be revisited to give the little modifications that it needs rather than creating the massive humanitarian crisis that we have created by not addressing it for the last 54 years. Unbelievable. I mean, if you if you think about it, and I always say this to people, the laws that are currently on the books, that's really what we're asking to be enforced at this time. They were voted into law by both Democrat and Republican. So it's not like that's there's right. some crazy, you know, out of, I mean, these are just the laws on the books of our land that we're saying, hey, you know what, if you want to change them, let's vote. You know, let's see what happens. How, but How I, opposed are you to politicians who are open borders? Oh, man. I mean, I just think it's treasonous like you said i mean uh, you know i've been down to the border especially in texas and seen what it does to the local communities and i've also been all oh, the way up to wisconsin you know places that people wouldn't think are affected and seeing how that trickles into the, our entire country it's it's literally uh the system is being overrun and it's being inundated and that's the issue and when i see veterans of our of our armed forces that that can't get the proper care and then we're giving you know free health care to just anyone who comes here there's an issue because these people have fought and served our nation and God bless them. And we need to make sure that we're taking care of our own uh, before we're able to take care of the whole world. We can't take care of everybody. We are one of the most lenient countries in the world when it comes to immigration. Try to become a citizen of New Zealand. See what happens. You got to give them a million dollars even to go to the country. It's crazy. Well, uh, their merit-based immigration policies along with Canada, along with a lot of European uh, countries as well. That's now, right. My opponent, as you know, Mr. Sherman there, yeah. uh, his initials are BS, so I just like calling him <laughs> Mr. BS. You know, he is actually open borders. Yes, he is. That's He's right. Full open borders. He, he is, uh, the, he, the guy is treasonous to this nation. Hmm. Now, I know that I'm speaking to like-minded individuals with your radio program. Yeah. And the, the Christian community 
the faith-based community needs to stand up and needs right. to support candidates like myself, candidates like you one day, I hope, hey, once, you, once you get some sleep, <laughs> uh, and, and send in those donations, you yes. know, uh, $10, $20, $100 if you can. Yes. Spread the word around. We need. We are in a classical evil versus good warfare That's right. right now. That's correct. And thank, thank God we have a individual in the White House yes. that is not Republican or Democrat. He's solid American. He yeah. has his flaws like we all have our flaws. Yep. And you can stand up and say, oh, he's a flawed man. Of course he's a flawed man. Yep. God didn't make a perfect man, did he? <laughs> That's right. We didn't elect no. a pastor-in-chief, right? Exactly. So he, he is actually standing up to the evil of the evils that have been perpetrated upon us by ilks like Mr. Sherman. Hmm. And the only way we can get him out of there is people getting behind the campaigns yeah. that have equitable solutions that don't look at it as black and white. Yeah. It literally is what is the, the, the right, just the right decisions to go. make for people in America. Light what darkness. Is the, what yep. is the foundation of America but Judeo-Christian foundation? That's right. There, the, the there, Constitution. I've always said this. Yep. The, 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 the simple definition of a conservative is there's a natural order to things. There you go. There you go. So the natural order to things based on our founding fathers is we support the candidates that best, best represent our values. Amen. Not this mirage of, of oh, American, but no, our values. Yes. Our values of Judeo-Christians is very simple. There is a natural order to things. Yes. If that person represents your values, get behind them. Yeah. Help remove a person who is treasonous to this nation, who is treasonous to this president, and any president who understands the the the, the, the simple Christian, Judeo-Christian conservative principles and values. Amen. Mark, you, you said it, man. And I tell you, every time I listen to you, man, it just makes me uh, more proud to stand with you, sir. And I, I believe 2020 is going to be a very, very powerful year. And we're excited. I hope that you do run. We're going to be behind you 110%, man. Thank you for coming on the show. How can people find you on social media, sir? You can find me at uh, Mark Reed 1776 clever number right i love it yes, <laughs> and mark mark just mark reed on on facebook mark reed politician mark reed for congress on facebook or just go to my website mark reed for congress.com all right on there you have all the social media buttons that you can tag on to and you also have the donation button there that you can send something in you also have an ability to sending me a uh email and and join the join the uh how would you say the the congregation to yes. create the revival right here in the West San Fernando Valley. Amen to that, Mark. If you can hold on for a second, thank you so much for being on the program today, and we'll be back with more Remnant News. <laughs>